Hi there everybody, it's Patrice here and welcome to this week's edition of Tea for Tangent, the supplementary edition to my main series A for Alien which I release every Wednesday. So it's the third episode of my main series and the letter that we're focusing on this week is C, so the topic is C for Clairvoyant. A large majority of the episode focuses on a man called Edgar Casey. He was a devout Christian man who also happened to be in contact with some other kind of entity which he interpreted to be angels. The only problem with this when you have a devout Christianity is that it requires a certain level of artistic interpretation to be able to convince yourself that you're not speaking with demons and you're actually speaking with angels because it says in multiple places in no uncertain terms that you are not meant to be lifting the veil and communicating with you know supernatural entities outside of what is written in the book you know that's the whole concept of faith that religious believers have a confidence in the fact that the Lord is working for them even if they cannot see it and that no matter the situation for whatever reason the Lord is it is that way because that's what the Lord wants it to be like and that is the way that organized religion have been controlling people for thousands of years and you know religion aside you know I don't necessarily disagree with you with that advice I don't agree with the church in saying like you shouldn't seek answers and you should just you know have blind faith in God but when it comes to my own personal supernatural beliefs I feel like if something is coming to you and it's saying oh I can tell you whatever you want I can lift the veil for you I can do all this I feel like it's just good kind of logical practice to question but but why (laughs) why and who are you and see that's the problem with the occult and with clairvoyance and with you know lifting the veil is that we don't have a way of deciding or knowing truly if what we're communicating with is good or bad and it's not beyond a low vibrational entity or whatever these things are to lie and deceive people about what they are to reach their final end and so that's the thing you could enter into some kind of spiritual agreement with something that you don't know what it is it might come to you and say oh yeah I'm an angel sure so let's get to business And next thing you know, you're completely entwined and suffocated by something that you don't know what it is, but it's becoming increasingly clear that it's not an angel. In the example of Edgar Casey, he died when he was only 67 of a stroke. And a lot of people say that it was the work that he was doing. People on his side of the fence and not say that his kind of premature death of a stroke was due to the workload that he was doing, the psychic pressure he was under. So what if he was forced into an early grave because he had made these, you know, spiritual agreements with negative entities? Like who knows where his soul is now? So on today's episode, I want to tell you the story of a man who similarly believed that he was in communication with angels, but 300 years before Edgar Casey was. And let's find out how that worked out for him, shall we? All right. So have you ever heard of John Dee? He was a mathematician, astronomer, astrologer, teacher, occultist, and an alchemist who was an advisor to Queen Elizabeth I. So to 21st century eyes, we'd look at this man's kind of curriculum vitae and think that he was straddling the line between being a man of science and a man of spiritualism. But in those days, like mathematics was considered a dark arts and he was actually arrested for that so he would have been considered a complete occultist at this point he also collected books and had one of the largest personal libraries in england 
And one of the most famous mysterious books in history, the Voynich Manuscript, is often associated with him. When Queen Elizabeth I succeeded the throne in 1558, Dee was her astrological and scientific advisor, and was even tasked with helping choose the coronation date for whatever would be auspicious. From the years 1550 to 1570s, he served as an advisor to England's voyages of discovery, but by the years 1580, his ambivalent results on the voyages to the New World and the Americas, also the fact that he kind of ingratiated himself on the court and he had lots of kind of bizarre ideas about changing the calendar as well as the way that political colonialization should happen. He realized that he was falling out of favor both in the social like aspects of court as well as the political aspects of holding court. And it was this point in his life that he decided that he was going to turn his attention to more spiritual occultist pursuits investigate the supernatural as a means to acquire knowledge so he sought to contact spirits through the use of things like scrying stones crystal gazing yeah and use that as a medium between himself and angels so he had attempted to do it himself but he was unsuccessful i guess that scrying is like any other kind of psychic ability that some people can do it and some people can't Scrying is probably the most popular form of divination that we're used to in pop culture. You know, like the image of a gypsy staring into a crystal ball to tell your future. But instead of a crystal ball, John Dee actually had an obsidian mirror. And the actual mirror that John Dee used sits in the British Museum in London. I had read accounts that this item had actually apported to him to use as a conduit between himself and the angel messages. The act of apportation is when something arrives suddenly and mysteriously through the powers of a medium. But now in the 21st century, very intelligent people at the British Museum were able to determine that the mirror itself was made by the Aztec people in South America. Its traditional cultural use was to communicate with an Aztec god called Tezcatlipoca. So after being unsuccessful himself in scrying, John Dee started to experiment with other people who claimed to have the ability to scry. So that was when a man named Edward Kelly came into John Dee's life. When he met Edward Kelly, Kelly was going by the name Edward Talbot to disguise his conviction for forgery or coining because one of his little side hustles was alchemy. Dee was really impressed with Kelly's first trial and that's what started a seven-year relationship of them being in communication with angels. Just a little side note. About a year after he had entered Dee's service, he rocked up once with this alchemy book and a red powder that he claimed he had been led to by a spiritual creature at Norfolk Hill. So this powder was hidden in this book that he'd found and that this red tincture, this powder, was what would allow him to transmute base metals into gold. And he had apparently demonstrated this. Uh, like many times, even to D himself. It's also alleged that he may have been one of the people to have possessed the philosopher's stone itself. So Kelly and D would conduct these spiritual conferences, but they would do them with intense Christian piety. Almost how, like we saw in The Exorcist, or if you've read anything about Catholic exorcists, how they will fast for days and recite specific prayers and do certain kinds of purification that's what Dee and Kelly were doing every time that they would scry and request 
the company of these angelic spirits. So in Dee's time, there was belief in the concept of angelic languages. And if you could speak the language of the angels, then you would be able to directly interact with them. And if you were able to interact with the angels, then they would be able to reveal mystic secrets to you. So in the 21st century, this can be referred to as Enochian. That's an occult language that is supposedly angelic in nature. And it is taken from John Dee's journals. In his journals, though, he never referred to the language as Enochian. He would refer to it as angelical or celestial speech or language of the angels or the first language of God or Adamical. He didn't call it Enochian. And the term Enochian comes from the assertion that the last person to have spoken the language of the angels was Enoch. So Enoch is the great grandfather of Noah. So the book of Enoch predates Noah's flood. And basically it talks about the origins of demons and the Nephilim, why some angels fell from heaven and an explanation of why the Genesis flood was morally necessary. It also talks about a prophetic exposition of the 1,000-year reign of the Messiah, which is really interesting when you think about Edgar Cayce's prophecies about an 1,000-year reign of happiness after. But anyway, you know what? I'm getting ahead of myself because this one's coming out before the Edgar Cayce episode. So the Book of Enoch is not considered biblical canon used by Jewish people, except for Ethiopian Jews. But we do know that various Aramaic fragments found in the Dead Sea Scrolls as well as other kind of Greek and Latin fragments are proof that the book of Enoch was known to Jewish people. It's worth noting as well that the book of Enoch is estimated to date from 300 to 200 BC. We could go so deep into this story because there is just so much in this story that you could explore. So let me know in the comments if you want me to feature John Dee and Edward Kelly's relationship as a full length episode in, um, you know, one of the upcoming A's for Alien podcasts. So John Dee and Edward Kelly had this working relationship where Edward Kelly would scry and John Dee would transcribe. Through this came the Enochian language. They were basically obsessed with it. And it's said that John Dee almost like drove Edward Kelly to insanity because of just how often they were doing it, like basically almost every day, I can imagine. So in 1587, things got a little bit fucking weird because Kelly told Dee that the Archangel Uriel had ordered the men to share all their possessions, including their wives. Yeah, that really escalated there at the end, didn't it? So this alleged angel has said to them, yeah, if you want to keep partying with us angels... Yeah, you got to just like, you do this crazy thing and just like commit mortal sin. Uh, yeah, like a cardinal sin. Yeah, you know, I know, I know you're thinking that it's going to damn you to hell. But, you know, don't you love talking with us? Don't you like hanging out with us? So blinded by their obsession with this communications with the angels, they did it. They wife swapped. You know, apparently John Dee's wife was obviously like really upset by this. And John Dee was anguished by this decision too. And it was enough so to make him actually question whether what they were speaking to were angels at all. And he stopped all the spiritual sessions. He severed his relationship with Edward Kelly after that. But get this, guess who had a baby nine months later? John Dee's wife gave birth to a son. And yeah, if you're connecting the dots, it was believed to have been 
Kelly's son a result of this unholy union. Life didn't really get much happier for either of them after that. So Eber Kelly stayed living in Europe and he, you know, had kind of convinced all the aristocracy in Europe that he had the ability to transmute base metals into gold. And so he was basically living with royalty and (laughs) had convinced Rudolf II that he was ready to start producing gold. Basically, Rudolf had him arrested and put into into a prison because he didn't want him to escape without producing any of this gold because he was kind of funding his lifestyle. Then uh, Edward Kelly had tried to escape, broken his leg and was imprisoned again. And he basically died of the injuries that he sustained whilst trying to escape. John Dee went back to England and he went back to his home, which had the incredible library that he collected, found that it had basically been ransacked while he was, you know, cavorting around Europe trying to talk to these alleged angels. His wife ended up dying of the bubonic plague. Back in England, the occult had fallen out of practice, so people were less hospitable to him and his practices and natural philosophy. He called upon favours of Queen Elizabeth I and she kind of supported him but only because of his relationship with Edward Kelly and she wanted John Dee to convince Edward Kelly to come back and start practising alchemy to relieve the economic burdens of England. So the Queen herself believed that Edward Kelly was a true alchemist as well. She had given him essentially an honorary title at Christ College in Manchester but College of Priests had been re-established as a Protestant institution and so he couldn't really like do much there because no one really respected him at all. By the time he returned to England from Manchester, Queen Elizabeth I had died and King James I basically wanted nothing to do with him. He had to sell off all his possessions, all his books to support himself, but he basically died in poverty. So it makes you wonder, doesn't it? I don't know, I'm pretty dubious now whenever I hear people say that they're able to communicate directly with angels because I don't think that that's how angels, like, you know, operate. Oh yeah, and I did a little bit more research into the Ascidian mirror that they used. So, Tezcatlipoca, god of the great bear constellation of the night sky, one of the major deities of the Aztec pantheon. He just also happens to be known as the harbinger of discord. He's a protean wizard who caused the deaths of many Aztec and Toltec people by his black magic and even induced the virtuous Quetzalcoatl to sin, drunkenness and carnal love, putting an end to the Golden Age. And under his influence, the practice of human sacrifice was introduced to central Mexico. He's often represented with a mirror on his chest. This is because he's able to see everything. He knows all the deeds and thoughts of man. It's a pretty crazy coincidence. I don't know, maybe maybe John Dee and Edward Kelly were actually talking to an ancient Aztec god. Or maybe they were talking to demons. Alright guys, well that's it from me today for this instalment of Tears for Tangent. As always, please let me know what you think in the comments section below. Um, yeah, did you like this crazy story about John Dee and Edward Kelly? If you want me to expand on it, go a bit more into the Enochian language and the impact it had on people like Alastair Crowley, you know, kind of modern hermetic practices, you know, you should let me know because I might be able to do that because I find it very fucking fascinating, this whole thing. Alrighty, 
thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed it and I'll catch you next week. Alrighty, bye-bye.